This is the official podcast of the Academy for Women in Academic Emergency Medicine Anniversary Interviews, celebrating 10 years of progress. This is your host, Michelle Lin, and I speak with Dr. Melissa Parsons today, an assistant professor at University of Florida, about getting involved in AUM early in her career and how she turned lemons into lemonade by transforming her personal journey with infertility into a career niche. And tell me a little bit about where you are at right now with regards to your job. So I would be considered early career. I am in my fourth year out of residency. I'm currently serving as the assistant residency director at the University of Florida College of Medicine in Jacksonville, Florida. And then in addition to that, I've previously served as our assistant medical director for one of our standalone emergency departments and now community emergency departments. It's a lot of hats for four years out. I initially went and worked in the at our community site and took over as the assistant medical director there, and then slowly transitioned back into a more academic role. Took over as assistant program director. At one point, was wearing both hats, and now have turned over to being full time assistant program director. Super. And what motivated you to get involved with AWEB initially? Michelle Lull really reached out to me and kind of pulled me in, roped me into getting involved in the wellness committee last year. And I served last year as just a member of the wellness committee, started writing a little bit, and really kind of got involved that way, and then took over as one of the two chairs of the wellness committee this year. Since your involvement, how would you say that AWEM has impacted your career? AWEM, I think, first of all, the having a group of women as a whole that you're surrounded with and able to network with has certainly kind of normalized some of the things that I've seen in my own career that I thought were specific to me and then I found out they were pretty normal across many women in emergency medicine. And in addition to that, it gave me networking opportunities. I was able to kind of share these are my interests with people and then I got tagged for those things. So in the last two months, I think I've been tagged for three different AOM didactics for next year's SIEM just because people knew what my interests were and wanted to pull me in on them. That's really kind of the, the thing that AOM has brought to me, was this other group of, of people that were happy to kind of help promote my career in different ways. That's terrific. So it sounds like not just networking for friendship, but also for actual career opportunities you might not have otherwise had. Absolutely. Great. And what motivated you to seek a leadership position? I knew that Jeanette Wolf, who was previously the the chair for the wellness committee wanted to step down and was looking for somebody to take over. And we always talk about how women don't ask and women don't really volunteer themselves or step up. They think that they kind of hold themselves back until they're sure that they're ready. And she asked and I said, oh, sure, I'll do it. And I was, I had no idea what it entailed or if that was a good choice, but it was kind of my niche of wellness and women. In your experience, how has leadership in women-focused professional organizations been considered, for example, for academic advancement such as promotion? At this point, I haven't been promoted, so I can't say that any of this is a guaranteed thing that's going to help me. But I think between my involvement with AWEM and my uh, and speaking at FIX this year, and kind of a lot of the things that have been women in medicine focused for me, that has certainly become a niche. One of the things that we have submitted for AWEM this year is actually family planning. My fixed talk is actually on infertility and female physicians. 
So this kind of niche development that is leading to research that will hopefully help me in promotion in the future. And then I think the other way is that seeing how much in EM, how much women-focused groups, research, networking we do have between AWEM, AWEP, FIX, Feminem, and I really realized that there was a ton for those of us once we kind of get out into practice, but I didn't see as much geared towards the younger generations, towards our med students and towards our residents, and then really outreach there. So actually one of our other A1 members and I created SheMD, which is a group that is specifically trying to reach out to med students and residents in all specialties, not EM specific, but really trying to start some of the conversations that we're having as faculty at an earlier stage of training. That's really great. Can you describe a particular experience that motivated you to you know, really reach out to the, that younger cohort? Sure. I think for me, the biggest thing was once I, my own struggle with infertility that's kind of become my niche, when I realized that you know, coming right out of residency and 31 being too potentially too late for me, really speaking to that younger generation about, hey, you may not want to wait, that may not be the best answer. That really was what kind of pushed me towards outreach to that that younger group. Um, and how do we share, you know, the things that we've that we learn and we've talked about now as faculty with the women that are coming behind us so that they don't have to wait till they become faculty to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, those are definitely things that I wish I had thought about or had the bandwidth for, so that's great that you're doing that. Just a little bit more about you and before we move on to your own career. How do you anticipate the professional needs of women in academic emergency medicine change in the next 10 years? That's a really good question. I think that we've kind of already done a pretty good job of saying we have a problem and identifying, hey, there's, there's something different for us and starting kind of the conversation. And I think now the big push and hopefully the big push in the next 10 years will be how do we get more data so that we can create better policies. And we've started doing that and it's been super refreshing to see, but I think continuing to really try to get data numbers, research that will help us advance our career, but will also help us to be able to say this isn't, this isn't just something we're talking about, but this is something we can really improve and show and how do we, what do we do from here to create a change. Can you describe a way that you recall gender has affected your career development? Sure. I remember as a resident really getting, kind of getting mixed signals as far as I was always very outspoken and I was always pretty comfortable in my own skin and so kind of being a little bit overly confident, overly aggressive, overly assertive, um, and getting that feedback from some of my faculty, and then on the other hand, getting pushed to make a decision, because when I didn't want to say, oh, I'm sure it's this, I really got a lot of pushback. Well, make what do you want to do? Make a choice. Um, and that I wasn't confident enough. And I thought that that was a little bit unique, but then I also realized that with my nursing staff, I had to go out of my way to kind of play nice in ways that I didn't see some of my male counterparts doing. So actually as an intern, my program director nicknamed me the pelvic princess because I think I did more pelvic exams than anybody, but I also cleaned the pelvic room because we had a specific room at that time, at, like every single time that I used it, whereas 
a lot of the males weren't ever having to do that. Somebody was just cleaning it for them, which they also were waiting, and I was impatient, maybe. But it was just something where I started to notice how I was having to do things a little bit differently than some of my colleagues to make sure that the nurses were my friends and wanted to help me take care of the patient and didn't become adversarial. What career accomplishment thus far, or accomplishments, would you say that you're most proud of? And I'm sure you have, you know, much, much more to go, but I think you've clearly accomplished a lot so far. I think right now, with FIX coming up in the next two weeks, really being, kind of developing my talk for that, getting through my talk will really be the most refreshing, the biggest award, I suppose. But I think that having this, creating this opportunity out of something that's been a struggle in my life and creating an opportunity to talk about it and hopefully to get some research and be able to actually kind of push that agenda a little bit, that's kind of been my biggest success so far, I think. And that's definitely something What advice might you give a younger version of yourself or an A1 member at an earlier stage of her career that perhaps you didn't know? I think I would have gotten involved earlier instead of having to be kind of roped into a position, but really just going out of my way to say, hey, how do I get involved from day one instead of waiting? I think I waited two or three years and then kind of feeling like I had to be ready instead of somebody saying, hey, just you're going to sign up and you're going to do this job. Name three other A1 members who do you think we should interview for this. Maybe one around your stage, uh, one who's more junior and one who's more senior, but if they're all the same level, that's okay too. Absolutely. So Michelle Lawler would be my first choice. She's our president, so I'm assuming you guys are interviewing her already, but she definitely is the one who kind of pulled me in. And Lexi Mannix is also on our one of our committees and is my co-creator for SheMD. So she's awesome. She's early career. She is in her first year out of fellowship and is already doing awesome things. And then Maria O'Rourke, who's my wellness co-chair. Thanks for tuning in. Next episode, we speak with Dr. Basma Softar, past president of A1 and an expert in gender-based emergency medicine research at Yale. See you next time.